Hi, everyone. I'm Cindy Mooring, the founder and executive chair of the Business Integrity Leadership Initiative at the Sam M. Walton College of Business. And this is The Biz, the Business Integrity School podcast. Here, we talk about applying ethics, integrity, and courageous leadership in business, education, and most importantly, your life today. I've had nearly 30 years of real world experience as a senior executive. So if you're looking for practical tips from a business pro who's been there, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome, let's get started. Season four of the Business Integrity School is sponsored by J.B. Hunt Transport Services, Inc. Hi everybody. And welcome back to another episode of The Biz, The Business Integrity School. And I am honored to tell you that today we have with us a very special guest, Craig Harper from J.B. Hunt. Hi, Craig. Hello, Cindy. Glad to be here. How are you today? Uh, Great. I'm glad the weekend's coming up. It's been a busy week, but I'm thankful for those. Absolutely. Well, let me, before we dive into this uh, podcast with talking about all things ESG, which is the topic for this entire season, let me first just tell you a little bit about Craig and also J.B. Hunt. Craig has been with J.B. Hunt for almost 30 years now, and he has spent about 28 of those years, just a little more than that, as the chief operating officer of J.B. Hunt. Recently, he moved into a new role, which is the chief sustainability officer. And Craig, I think your prior role set you up perfectly for this new, very important role. J.B. Hunt, for those of you who may not know, is a transportation and logistics company that is based right here in Northwest Arkansas, Lowell to be exact. It was founded by Johnny Hunt and Janelle Hunt in 1961, right about the same time that Walmart was also being uh, founded and established by uh, Sam Walton. The company, J.B. Hunt, currently employs over 24,000 people. It operates more than 12,000 trucks, and the fleet consists of over 100,000 trailers and containers. Last year, actually in 2019, uh, J.B. Hunt had revenues of over $9 billion, and we are proud to say that they are a uh, fabulous public company representing Northwest Arkansas well throughout the entire United States and Canada and Mexico. And I am super excited to say that J.B. Hunt is also sponsoring this entire season of uh, the, the video podcast. And um, it's one of the reasons I'm just really honored to be able to have Craig here with us today to tell us all about what's going on at J.B. Hunt in the area of ESG. So, Craig, let me ask you, how did you get from your role as COO into this now really important role of being the chief sustainability officer? Tell us a little bit about your time with J.B. Hunt and how you got there. Yeah, well, it really started about two years ago when uh, John Roberts, our president and CEO, and Dave Mee, who at the time was our CFO, came to me and they said, uh, we've we got to get a committee formed and really look at this sustainability and ESG that we're hearing so much about and so many questions on and see, see where we stand. So I did put together a committee, sustainability committee, and we had people across all business units and um, every different area inside the company. There were like 24 of us on that committee. And we started digging into the world of ESG and sustainability and really learning and trying to understand where we, where we were and, the, and perceived in that. And we found out quickly that 
um, we had not been doing a good job of telling our story. And what we learned was if you don't tell your story, somebody else will, and they very well may get it wrong. And right. that's, that's what we saw. So we, we launched into this and we could see quickly like uh, intermodal. Intermodal is two and a half times more efficient than, than trucking the freight. And we had not done a good job of getting that word out. So we said, so we, we've got to make that more known about the benefits of intermodal and, and sustainability. And the same thing with JB Hunt 360, which is our technology where we put the, the carriers and shippers together. And the goal for our whole company is to become the most efficient transportation network in North America. And JB Hunt 360 helps in that because it puts the right truck on the right load at the right time. And therefore, you can reduce a, a lot of empty miles. And we also found we were not telling a good story about our equipment. You know, we buy the latest and newest equipment and put on all the accessories that we can to improve the fuel mileage, sure. such as skirts, low rolling resistant tires, idle optimization, and uh, automatic transmission. So that was the big discovery is that we just had not been telling the world what we were already doing. And so right. we, we tactically went after some of those uh, rating agencies to uh, see how we could improve on those, the different rating agencies and reporting agencies. Well, it sounds to me like that was a really smart uh, move on on the part of uh, uh, John Roberts to get us get JB Hunt kind of focused on ESG because it only picked up steam right in the last two years with with everything that's happened um, just in the kind of the the recognition of of climate change and the social justice issues and everything else that COVID I mean it all sort of you know kind of snowballed together and now that you've been in this space for a little while do you do you sense that it's here to stay and can you identify a, a tipping point, if you will. I mean, it, in the past, I think it was sort of a side issue, but now it seems like it's just squarely front and center. But I'm interested if you sense that as well and, and can identify a tipping point. Yeah, absolutely about it. It's, it's here to stay. You know, I see more activity each and every week. And I believe that part of this uh, really started with uh, a letter that Larry Fink sent out um, he's the CEO and, and chairman of BlackRock. It was back in 2018, a letter that he sent out to all CEOs. And he was telling CEOs that um, now it's, it's not just uh, good enough to have a, a good service or product, that uh, you've got to be doing what is best for society in general. And that letter got a, a lot of talk, a, a lot of activity because before people always talked about a corporation was here to make profits. Right. Well, you started seeing that all stakeholders are getting involved. And when I say all stakeholders, I mean all stakeholders, you know, the investors, but your customers, your, your suppliers, the community, the people mm -hmm. in the community that you serve, and then also mm -hmm. your employees. So mm -hmm. now see that everybody is getting concerned about what is going on in, in the world of uh, sustainability in the world of ESG. So I think that was uh, the tipping point back in 2018, got a lot of that momentum going. And then all the things that you talked about earlier with uh, the social unrest and then COVID hitting, uh, I think just added to that. And 
Another point that you made is that it's uh, it's not slowing down. It, it's it continues to gain momentum. Uh, again, each and every day we see that around here. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true. I mean, just this week, earlier this week, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal. Um, you know, you mentioned the rating agencies earlier, and we had to talk about that for a minute. But you know, in the Wall Street Journal just earlier this week, the SEC chairman Gary Gensler. Uh, made it very clear that he has his staff now looking at whether or not companies should be disclosing their climate-related risks in at least public companies, right? In their disclosure documents, like in their their annual reports and their and their 10Ks, all the way back to potentially like the the what they call it the scope three emissions, which are the emissions of others in your value chain. But I, I would be really interested in knowing about what you mentioned, the rating agencies. How many are out there? If there if there isn't one consistent level, which I think is what Gary Gensler's you know after, right? Let's let's make it transparent for for uh, investors and others to be able to compare. Can you do that now, or do we really need one one measurement stick? Yeah, we certainly need uh, fewer measuring sticks than we have today. There, <laughs> there are currently. Uh, over 600 different uh, rating companies out there. So we could spend all day long filling out a new report uh, from a different request from this customer or this other customer. So we we, we do need to get some standardization in these uh, rating agencies and reporting platforms so that uh, all the stakeholders can depend on getting consistent information that is verifiable, that um, is decision useful and that um, they can take across different industries, different countries, different time periods and, and know what they're comparing. And, mm -hmm. and there is hope here. We, we have recently uh, seen two of these such agencies like uh, like SASB, uh, yeah. the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board and um, IIRC, which is the International Integrated Reporting Council. Those two uh, reporting platforms are coming together and forming one. So that that's a step in the right direction. So we're glad to see that. Yeah, well, that will certainly help. I think there's going to be a lot that's going to happen in this particular area of, of ESG, you know, rating agencies, what's going to be the measurement stick? Is it going to be required um, for companies to put it into the reports? Of course, that creates legal liability. So are they going to get protections for disclosure if it's required that we're going to have to watch that evolve? But I do agree with you that it's needed because I can't imagine how a, a big company like J.B. Hunt possibly tries to keep up with you know, all of the different rating agencies and how you can possibly even in it compare to figure out what are the best practices? Are, are we meeting the right benchmarks? I mean, it's, we could do with a, a bit, a bit of a, a rationalization, I think, and culling of the rating agencies. So that will be good to watch. Absolutely. So now let's dive into something that I think is very exciting. Your sustainability report. First one, just came out uh, July 16th, so I know you've been working on it. It takes a lot of hard work, and you're going to tell us a bit about that. But that's a big that's a big moment. So first of all, congratulations uh, for getting that out. That's that's really great. And as I was reviewing it, it talks about JB Hunt's reducing of carbon emissions, promoting diversity and inclusion, and and um, even some. Um, some talk about ending human trafficking and the role that that uh, trucking companies play in that, but let's let's talk about particularly the carbon footprint first. 
What hurdles um, do you and other transportation providers currently face when you're trying to reduce your carbon footprint? Well, as you know, being in the transportation business, our biggest hurdle is finding a replacement for fossil fuels. That's uh, you, you touched on scope three emissions, which the audience probably knows is like your supply chain emissions. And, and scope one emissions are the emissions that come from the equipment you own. And scope two are electricity. Well, scope one emissions by far are our largest emissions, and that comes from our diesel. So we need the diesel that we use in the trucks. So we need an alternative to diesel. And so we are very excited about the, what we're seeing uh, coming along in the world of electric vehicles, whether whether it's battery electric or fuel cell electric. But we, we need to get that technology uh, here sooner than later. And we're excited about it. We've been testing it, but uh, it, it still has a long ways to go. So we need a commercially viable option. And, and we're all anxious. Uh, we would like it to be here now, but it, it's not. You know, it is available in the automotive sector also and some smaller commercial vehicles like, like vans. But in a, the heavy-duty space, uh, there's not a commercially viable product right now that oh. Equipment costs three times more than the diesel equivalent, mm -hmm. and the range is uh, significantly less. Uh, an 18-wheeler yeah. has a range of like 1,400 miles. One of these vehicles would have the right, right now, they're under 200 miles. So you're going to have to buy, you'd have to have two or three trucks to do the work of one truck. So that's, that isn't going to make sense. So we, we'd need a, a product and that can haul the same amount of weight, get us some, we don't have to have 1,400 miles, but we definitely need 300, 350 miles, we'd love 400 miles, and then uh, have the same type of uh, uh, refueling or re-energizing network. You know, it's uh, right now the infrastructure is uh, such a long ways off, and, and we're running into hurdles there as far as when we have been testing the equipment to get the transformers upgraded to operate just one truck. And so now all of a sudden you start putting that over um, all 18,000 trucks that we have, then um, you, you've got significant hurdles. What do you think that time horizon realistically looks like? We'll start seeing products uh, this year. Um, late in the year, we'll see a few products uh, come about in some test markets and all. Uh, some more products will come out in 2022, and you'll see them continue to improve. But um, the tough part is, Again, with that range limitation and, and the cost that we talked about and the weight is when are you really going to to jump in full force? Yeah, because right. It, uh, a little bit, I use the uh, flat screen TV analogy. You know, when, when did you buy your flat screen TV? When they first came out, they were $20,000. Yeah. Now, not too long after that, they dropped all the way to $10,000. Most people still didn't buy. You had down... You know, 5,000, 4,000, 1,200. I think I finally bought one in 1,200. And now you could go buy that television for probably 350 or $400. Yeah, the prices have come way down. Yeah. So if you jump in too early on the technology, you've actually created a, a disadvantage for yourself because then the next year somebody has uh, a truck that has better range, uh, can haul more weight, um, has a faster refueling time. So but we, we definitely want to get some in our hands, uh, operate this these pieces of equipment, and see how we can uh, help improve that technology. But it's, it's going to be a while. 
Wow. Okay. Well, in the meantime, I also liked how J.B. Hunt is serving the communities with some educational tools. For example, you've put together guides on how just individuals can help reduce their own kind of carbon footprint. So how how to tell me a little bit about how those guides work and have you seen any positive impact from that yet? Yeah, what you may be talking about is the the carbon diet and the the carbon calculator. Yeah. Yeah. Carbon diet. Yeah, we, we work with our customers and, and help them first and foremost to understand their carbon footprint. You know, what what is it and and then all the different aspects of that and what makes up such uh, the, the majority of that footprint. And what we find lots of times is that you start digging into it and you look for ways to reduce the miles. And so how can you reduce the miles? But, well, it's where do you put the distribution center? Where do you put the cross dock? Yeah. Then also you dig further and it's like, uh, let's look at the payload. You know, um, are you maxing out all the equipment? Are you are you shipping air? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then look at uh, mode conversion. You know, uh, can you do consolidation of shipments and ship the same freight but with fewer loads? Can you put the freight on intermodal? Again, intermodal is two and a half times more efficient than, than truckload. So those are some of the, the things that, that we work through with the customer to find ways where they can reduce their carbon footprint. And then also the carbon calculators where you can actually put your freight into the system and uh, the pickups and delivery points, and it will tell you um, how many metric tons of CO2 you can uh, avoid by, again, converting that freight from over the road to an intermodal load. Wow, that's I think that's just fantastic. I mean, that's really spreading the knowledge, right? And helping everybody try to get a little bit better, which that's that's what we're all gonna have to do. I mean, this is such a big issue. It's not gonna be able to be solved by just one company and um, you know, one effort. It's gonna take everybody kind of diving in and doing it together. Th- that's a big one, obviously, I think for JB Hunt, given that you're, you know, a big a big trucking company, but like any other company, you've got other issues in this big ESG bucket that you also have to address. So now let's turn to the the issue of let's say some of the social issues, some of the diversity and inclusion, and the stakeholders of of uh, your own employee base um, and the communities that you serve. So what what have you been doing in the area of diversity and inclusion internally first, and then also have you been extending that into the local communities, and if so, how? Yeah. First off, we, we've really expanded our training of the employees. Now all of our frontline managers have had uh, training such as uh, unconscious bias training. Yeah. So that's something that we kicked off several years back and continue to expand on that. And then just recently, uh, Shelly Simpson, who is our uh, chief marketing officer, her uh, scope of responsibility was broadened and she's taken over people and human resources. Mm. Along those lines, she has brought in a vice president of inclusion, and uh, this person is now going to have responsibility for going across the country, across all business units, and uh, developing a group of people that, that work alongside him to get this uh, inclusion diversity spread across the, the country. And also, the, the gentleman will also have responsibility, or does have because he's already been placed in his position, uh, responsibility for our employee resource groups. And we, we have five such groups, uh, such as uh, one we call GROW, which is Growing and Retaining Outstanding Women. 
We have an employee resource group for African-American community, uh, for our Latino community, for our LGBTQIA community, and also our veterans. And as far as uh, in, in these resource groups, what they do is they provide a way for these people to connect and uh, share their experiences and and uh, in their professional life and also in their personal life. And uh, it's been very well received and will continue to ex expand the people and, and the numbers in those groups. It's been uh, uh, phenomenal how fast those have taken off. And then also, as far as out in the communities, yeah. those those groups themselves actually do outreach in the community. Mm -hmm. They have uh, different projects that, that they work on. So it's exciting to, to see them uh, work outside in the, the community. That is, that's really important. Well, that's a that's another really great um, initiative, I think, that you have overall with in terms of hiring somebody to focus specifically on inclusion and figuring out how to extend the reach of those employee resource groups and having them engage in the community. I mean, that just, that's that's really, that's impactful. That's impactful yeah. at the ground level. Cindy, something else that um, has been a huge success here is uh, a program we have called Elevation, where employees, every employee can submit any idea on any topic uh, as far as a way to improve the company. And this has been going on since 2015. And we now have over 20,000 ideas that have been submitted. And we've actually taken action and implemented over a thousand of those. And yeah. an example, we just kicked off an ideation session in Elevation, which is where we specifically target a, a, an idea that somebody brought up and said, okay, how can we expand this? And uh, it was on sustainability. Oh. In that, we had more than 300 ideas submitted by more than 200 people. Wow. Elevation's been a big hit. That's then, great. So empowering, right? I mean, if you have an idea, submit it and and let people work on it. That's great. Then also in the communities, you know, we're, we're proud that we're able to work uh, with the University of Arkansas so well. I mean, it's been an ongoing, long-lasting uh, relationship and we were glad to announce, you know, uh, $1.25 million that we actually uh, gave to the school for an inclusion and education thought leadership fund. And that fund is really established, focusing on uh, bringing into supply chain uh, people from historically un un underrepresented uh, backgrounds. So yeah. we're excited about that. Yeah. Then, also, there was a million dollars given for uh, an innovation and education and management research supply chain fund. And we're excited about that and the work that will come out of this, because with this fund, we look forward to seeing some some ideas on the innovation and research that will help promote uh, sustainable uh, business practices and encourage engagement in sustainable uh, supply chain. Well, that's, yeah. So in terms of outreach to the community, that's a huge one. And thank you so much, just again, on behalf of the university. So transportation companies also play a, for those of you who may not be familiar with it, an important role in, in um, stopping human trafficking. Some people may think, you know, another name for it's modern day slavery. Some people may think, oh gosh, I mean, that was eradicated uh, hundreds of years ago. What are we talking about? But lo and behold, 
modern day slavery, human trafficking does still exist and transportation companies play a real important uh, role in um, trying to eradicate that. And can you explain a little bit about how J.B. Hunt is involved in this space and and what your drivers do to support the cause? Absolutely. You know, it's uh, horrific that it even exists today. And you, you touched on this, that uh, a lot of people don't realize how big of a problem it is, but it, it is out there. And as, as far as being in, in transportation, our drivers are uniquely positioned to be able to identify and intervene in some of this because they're frequently going in and out of, of truck stops. And with that, um, all the movement going on at truck stops, um, the cars coming in, the, the trucks coming in and out all day long, uh, it's been known that that is an area where unfortunately some of this human trafficking does take place. Yeah. So since 2014, that's when we kicked off training our drivers on this, uh, we've now trained over uh, 100,000 drivers on how to identify and intervene with with human trafficking and we've um, we cannot wait to uh, continue to uh, march on this mission of uh, of ending this and we we showed our support last year we went to dc um, and we're there uh, to support show our support for the dot's transportation leaders against human trafficking mm-hmm. we further cemented that with our uh, platinum sponsorship of, of truckers against tra- trafficking, which I know uh, Candace Paris, um, uh, who is gonna, going to be coming to the headquarters here and, and doing a training session. And uh, she's actually going to be participating in one of your workshops. Yeah. Yeah, we're so excited to be able to welcome her and and Greer as well, so that we can have the uh, workshop on on you know let's talk about forced labor. I mean, by some statistics, that's like more people in the world today are um, uh, involved in modern day slavery, not of their own choosing, of course, than live in the entire country of Canada. And even here in the U.S., there's you know numbers that it's over seven hundred thousand, and the numbers are really hard to verify, right? Because it isn't something that you can go necessarily count. I mean, you're 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 really trying to rely on those who do have the ability to speak up and have the courage to do so, and then do some extrapolation from there. But it's a big issue. It is. It's a huge issue, and when you hear the stories um, of some of these people, and um, it, it's gut wrenching, and it will. Um, make you want to support uh, this initiative, which I hope it does. Uh, so it's, um, you know, we're, we're excited to uh, do our part to, to try to put an end to this. Well, great. I mean, I can't wait for that workshop and to hear about your program and be able to hear from some of the the truckers specifically and and vict- a victim um, and with Truckers Against Trafficking. That's going to be a really, really great one. So now a tough question for you that everybody always wants to know. Accountability, measurement, how do you actually make sure that all of the things you mentioned in your sustainability report that you're going to be able to continue to make progress on uh, and that it's going to be measurable progress? How do you how do you ensure that, that you're reaching the right outcome? You know, at J.B. Hunt, we've always had uh, a culture in here about accountability, whether it's been uh, financial statements, whether it's safety results. So. We're, we're used to accountability. And now with our journey on sustainability, we'll, we'll have it there too. And there, there's a lot of different ways that uh, we can 
continue to observe the, the progress that we're making and hold ourselves accountable. And part of them, part of it is with the, these rating agencies uh, because um, they do have you put your information in and, and some standardized formats, even though, you know, I talked about earlier, there's too many. <laughs> right. But so you, you do have information or repeatable uh, steps that you can u- utilize every year to come up with that information and, and show the progress that you're making. Got and it. then also our, our ultimate goal is to, to know what we're doing for the longer term in, environment impact on it. And that's where, again, uh, measuring the, the carbon footprint that we have today, which we uh, but have, have that verified by an outside third party. So we, mm-hmm. we have a good benchmark of where we are and measuring that intensity as we continue to march forward. So there will be uh, several ways that we can monitor and measure and take pride in the uh, improvement and success we have because um, we will have it. We just, we've got to be able to get all the OEMs on board to bring out that equipment and bring it to us as fast as they reasonably can. Right. Making this progress. Right. You can't do it on your own. I mean, you recognize that, that, that you're, you know, you're emitting a lot and you want to reduce the footprint, but uh, it requires bringing everybody along. So collaboration, you know, communication, those kind of skills are just going to be vital to address this issue. And in my opinion, we've got the the right person in charge of that there at JB Hunt because you clearly have had a lot, a lot of experience at that over your time there for the with the company. Well, we've got we've got a ways to go. We've got a lot of people pulling on the same rope around here to get this done, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, I look forward to seeing our progress and and the changes that we can make. I look forward to seeing what we can work on with the University of Arkansas and those different funds um, because they're they're does have to be some new technology come along. Uh, yeah. you know, we talk about the battery electric, the hydrogen fuel cell, use that in the electric space. And then there's got to be some ways that we can actually um, pull this carbon out of the air. You know, there's carbon capture right now. Uh, it's, it's expensive, but uh, it's expensive too to, to do nothing. So we, we've got expensive. to come up with new technologies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we live in a very entrepreneurial uh, part of the world and, you know, companies like J.B. Hunt and Walmart and Tyson all started by some very strong entrepreneurials. And that spirit is still here in this area. And I'm confident that with the University of Arkansas's focus on that as well and support from folks like J.B. Hunt, we'll we'll get this figured out. We'll be able to to work on this all together. So. So, Craig, as we end this conversation, I always like to leave the audience with some additional resources where they might go to do a little more reading or watching or listening um, on this topic of, of, of ESG. So is there a particular book or documentary or maybe a podcast series, something you've listened to lately that just really struck you? It was like, wow, that stuck with me that you could recommend to the audience? Yeah, I think the uh, book by Bill Gates is a fantastic book, and it's How to Avoid a Climate Disaster. And uh, when you read that, you'll it, it will open up your eyes uh, to what is going on around the globe, and it will open up your eyes to how big of a problem this really is. But on the same note, though, he gives us actual solutions, and um, and he says it in there. It, it's a huge problem. But he is optimistic. He thinks we will find a way to address this problem. But 
he points out that we need more and more money going into research to continue to develop technologies that are to further de develop technologies that are there today, but also to come up with some technologies that you and I hadn't even heard about yet. So uh, excellent reading. Uh, you'll learn a lot and uh, it'll make you think twice about what's going on across the globe. Well, that's a great recommendation. And, and interestingly, you're not the first guest that has recommended that book. So I think it's uh, almost required reading for somebody who wants to get a little more uh, in the know on that particular topic. So. Craig, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for your partnership with the University of Arkansas uh, more broadly. And this has just been a really great conversation. Congratulations again on your first sustainability report. And we look forward to watching the continued progress. Thank you, Cindy. All right, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Biz, The Business Integrity School. You can find us on YouTube, Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and rate us. And you can find us by searching The Biz. That's one word, T-H-E-B-I-S, which stands for The Business Integrity School. Tune in next time for more practical tips from a pro.